Don't you love this time of year? Well, you don't love it near as much as the first service. I mean, the first service really loves this time of year. Do you love Christmas time? Yeah, okay, that's better. All right, yeah, so do I. It's just a cool time of the year, a time where we get to reflect on what God has done for us and everything that means. And, of course, we want to share that with the community. So here's what I'd like you to do just real quick. If you have your phone with you and you do Facebook on your phone, I want you to pull your phone out. You're not going to hear me say this a whole lot. Pull your phone out. And uh, if you've got Facebook on it, I want you to tap on, go into Facebook, search uh, Christmas with Grace. And then when you do that, there's an event, Fremont Christmas of Grace, and then hit that you're going. You, know, you have to select a service, but there's four of those during the next week. And uh, just hit going and share, and that'll help us. Uh, get the word out. And so, and, and if you know what you're doing, you should already be done with that now. If you're like me and that'll take you like five minutes to figure it out, just bail on this, put the phone back, put it up, go home, get on your computer and do it this afternoon. Fair enough? All right. So that's, that's, that's what we'd like you to do. Help us get the word out. You know, uh, as Mike was saying, we do these you've been gifted cards and, and sometimes a small fraction of people who receive gifts will let us know that. Uh, the, the, we received a few from people at drive-ups saying somebody in front of them paid for their meal, and they're basically just contacting us. This one's from Tim Horton's drive-through. You know, would like to thank whoever it was. It's really nice of them to do that. Here's somebody else that writes in: My fiance and I were at Texas Roadhouse to celebrate our anniversary, and the sweet couple across the aisle from us gave us a card to our waiter. Gave the card to our waiter, and then. He then told us that our meal had been paid for, which was such a, a blessing to receive. We can't wait to pass it on. Thank you to the sweet couple who gave us a card, and may God richly bless you. Here's, here's one that came in this year, but it's actually about a prior year, and it's somebody that's attached to our church family now, but it's about a time when they weren't, and it goes like this. It's uh, from Jamie. It says, about five years ago, before I began attending Grace, I was raising four children by myself. I was caring for my two nieces as well as my own children. And I remember I was at Kroger and adding up the groceries in my cart, and I didn't have quite enough money for the items, so I put the peanut butter back on the shelf. I was just really struggling trying to make ends meet. It was then, as I was putting the peanut butter back on the shelf, that a little boy walked around the corner and handed me $20 with a card that said, you've been gifted. I wanted to cry. I knew it was God who sent that little boy my way. I never heard of grace back then. And today, I'm a grateful member of grace and able to give back to my community in the same way that I was blessed that day. Isn't that cool? That's, that's what we're trying to do is just blanket our area with random acts of generosity. And so uh, if you want to help us with that, that's you've been gifted card. And that also invites us to our services. If you just want to invite somebody, we have a separate card for that that doesn't require a gift. Uh, either way, we love for you to help us get the word out. Christmas Changes Everything is our series. And I want to focus on maybe the most well-known traditional passage at Christmas time out of Luke chapter 2. So if you'd like to grab a Bible in the chair rack in front of you, Pull that out or grab your device. We're going to Luke 2, and we're going to start with verse 8. And as you get there, I'll kind of set the context. 
and that is that uh, Mary and Joseph are traveling to Bethlehem where they need to go to register for a census because they're both of the lineage of David, and so they're on their way. Mary is with child. Last service I said she was pregnant with child, and when you're already with child, it's a bad time to get pregnant, but so I kind of doubled up on that, but she was with child, and then they arrive in Bethlehem. She has the birth, and then that same night, there's another thing going on, and that's what we're focusing on today, beginning in verse 8. Are you ready? Okay. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And we'll We'll stop right there. We'll get back to it in just a moment. But don't you just love that passage of Scripture? I mean, we hear that, and a lot of times it brings, for believers and non-believers alike, sometimes it brings up a lot of fond memories. Sometimes it brings up kind of sentimental memories. I think this happens a lot. Maybe if you were raised in church, it brings up memories of children in bathrobes, you know, doing plays or or how many of you, when you read this, sometimes think of Linus, you know, on the Charlie Brown Christmas special who, who does a way better passage with, than I just did. Uh, you know, however, we, we kind of attach all this sentiment, but really when we do that, we need to be careful that we're not missing the point because that first night was not a sentimental time. It was a startling time. It was a a frightening time. It was an amazing time. People were wondering, pondering, you know, what does all this mean? I mean, it was, it was an event. It was something that was happening that everybody was, was sort of amazed at, or at least the message of it, whether they believed it or not, because Christmas changed everything. And what I want to see today is that the hearing, and, and by hearing, I mean hearing well, the understanding Uh, The understanding of the message of Christmas causes our fear to be turned into joy. And I want to start by just talking about, hey, the message of Christmas. It was announced by the angels. It was first announced by the angels as far as the shepherds were concerned. And it caused fear. Not so much the message, but just the event, the showing up. Uh, the shepherds are out. It's at night. Everything's peaceful, calm. They're taking care uh, of their, their sheep. And then all of a sudden, they're terrified by this event. And we way understate this in English. But in the original language, there's a few words here that really pile up on top of each other. And they're, uh, it's the Greek word where we get phob- phobia. 
and it's phobia, superphobia, and then there's a mega thrown in there. It's, uh, it's stated, restated with emphasis, and then a mega's added. It's like saying they were afraid and extremely super terrified. I mean, just piles up. They were, they were shocked. They, and this happens a lot in Scripture when, when an angel shows up. I mean, everybody stops in their tracks if an angel shows up undisguised. I mean, and, you know, and these angels were super powerful buildings. We, we read stories in the Old Testament about what they could do. They're just terrifying creatures in a lot of ways. And, of course, we don't think like that. But Luke is describing here sort of a bone-rattling fear that overtakes them as this angel, this messenger of God, shows up. And, and why? Why be so fearful? Because an angel, and especially this angel, it's not only that he is showing up, but also with this angel is the brilliance of God's glory. And it just puts them kind of in a panic. Now, a lot of people kind of have issues. I mean, this doesn't really sound like the way we talk about sentimentally the Christmas story. This sounds a little different. And a lot of people would push back and said, well, you know, God is not scary. God is love. We shouldn't think of God or his messengers as being frightening. Um, and, and they would say, hey, God is love. People have no reason to fear. But you got to understand in the Bible, if you're not a follower of Christ, you should be afraid of God. You should be afraid of his messenger. Uh, the Bible says unbelievers have every reason to fear God. And believers also fear God in the sense of having a, a profound awe and reverence for who God is in his righteousness. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's what I'm saying. Every single person who has ever lived will fear God one way or the other. That's what I'm saying. Every single person will fear God one way or the other. Unbelievers who say, hey, I don't fear God, they will fear God. And many, I think, fear God without really acknowledging it or admitting it. And because maybe some of it is because today people have this fear of judgment. People have a, a distaste for anybody that comes across judgmental, right? What do people always say? You know, you can't judge me. You can't judge them. You can't judge. Nobody wants to be judged. But the problem is God is our rightful judge. And not only that, he's righteous and holy. And that should cause us to stop and think about that. He's truly our righteous judge, and he hates sin. And what should sink down with us is we're all sinners. God hates sin. It's intimidating in that way. I think maybe we fear judgment, and we fear judgment from God. I think some of that's because it taps in some of our other basic fears, like the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of loss. And, and then I think all that ties in to our, a fear of death. 
I mean, people have these different fears. And to me, it all kind of leads back to that. Scripture says God is a consuming fire and the light of his glory will burn through us. God is God. And so, but the message come, the angels come with a message. And although the event is super frightening for the shepherds, and we, it's really hard to put into words how frightened they were, the message, the first thing out of the angel's mouth is fear not. Fear not. Why? And there's a reason for that. Because there's good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, there's been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I mean, it's all good news that he's saying, the angel's saying, hey, I know you're afraid, but fear not. Don't fear because God's giving you something amazing. This is the best news. And then the angel gives them a sign for them to go see. And then they follow obediently by going to seeing that sign. So the first shepherds react. At first, the shepherds react with fear. But, but then they're told, hey, this message will change, hey, you're fearing now, but this message will bring peace. This, this thing that's happened. But it's peace for some. And a lot of people miss this. It's peace for some. It's actually based on a mistranslation in, in one uh, version of Scripture. But the crowd of angels all of a sudden show up. Besides this one angel, a crowd of angels, the heavenly host, and, and they are crying out. They join in saying, hey, this birth of Jesus will make a way for some people to have peace with God. And, and today when you say that, because this is not the way typically in our culture we think about Christmas, people will say, well, why? Why do I need, I'm okay with God. Why do I need peace with God? None of us are okay with God. It's really a misunderstanding about God and us. We've all got issues. God is righteous and holy. And we all start off, Scripture tells us, as enemies with God, whether we believe it or not, whether we even recognize it or not. And, and people will push back and say, no, I don't think of God as an enemy. No, Scripture's telling telling you that you start off as an enemy of God, whether you think you are or not. And there's a reason for that. It's because our sin nature sets our hearts against God. Our sin nature automatically aligns us against God. Why? Because we want to be king of our life, not God. Because we want to be the judge of our life, not anybody else. We don't want anybody judging us for anything that we do. And that sets our hearts against our Creator. We struggle against God. And Jesus' birth brought a way to fix that, that we could be reconciled with God. It's good news. Notice this. It's good news for all the people. And I, I kind of stopped there, all the people. What's that all about? But it really is universal. It's all the people. It's good news for all the people. Universally. But peace with God only comes for some people, those with whom God's favor rests, or those with whom God is well pleased. It's, it's good news for everybody, 
But only certain people fully benefit from the good news. It's those people who understand and respond to the good news. Those are the people with whom God is pleased. And of course, that gets lost in the shuffle today, doesn't it? That to have peace with God, we we have to come to understand the good news, the gospel. That that in a nutshell is just that we are more flawed than we realize or ever admit to ourselves. But God loves us more than we can ever imagine, and therefore he provided a way, but we have to respond to the way. When we really hear, and when I say hear, I mean we grasp, we understand, we comprehend, we perceive God's message. When we really hear God's message and respond in faith, we have peace with God. So Christmas brings this message, and it's a message really that leads to response. There's a message of Christmas that brings us to a point of response. Let's pick it up where we left off in Luke, verse 15. It says, And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So they are given, hey, this is the announcement. Here's the sign. We gave you a sign. Go check it out. They go to Bethlehem, the city of David. They find a baby in a manger, which is a feeding trough for an animal. They find this baby, and then they're rejoicing just the way they thought it was. But here's what I want to point out. We have to respond to this message, but there's sometimes a problem. The shepherds got to hear the message from who? The angels. The angel and then the angels. They get it from angels. That would stop them in their tracks. One angel... Stop them in their tracks. But the rest of the people in this passage, who do they hear it from? The shepherds. You know, the shepherds got angels. The rest of the people just got shepherds. And sometimes we overemphasize the messenger. It's, it's today. Hey, we can get God's word ourselves simply by reading God's word. And every believer should be regularly reading God's word. And we get God's communication to us straight the way he gave it to us. But beyond that, the the only way we get God's revelation is through people teaching about God's word. And those messengers, like me, teachers, pastors, are always flawed. So today, we don't get angels. We get shepherds, flawed shepherds. But that doesn't impact the message. Think back. Do you remember a time, maybe before you were a believer and somebody told the gospel to you? And, and the gospel just means good news, that Christ came and died for you. 
But to set up the good news, you have to realize, people, that, that there's some bad things. We're in a bad situation. And so, and that's when we talk about, hey, that we've all sinned against God, whether we recognize it or not, right? And so, but a lot of times when somebody tells us the gospel, or maybe this was you when you heard the gospel, the first thing that you might say, whether it's a family member or friend, you might say, whoa, 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 before you even get to the good news, when you're still in the bad news, whoa, you're, hold it, you're telling me that I'm a sinner? Whoa, you, you, you're telling me I have issues? Hey, you have more issues than I do. Hey, you are way more jacked up than I am, and you're going to tell me that, you know, we get all caught up in the messenger, and sometimes it keeps us from hearing the message God wants us to hear. But the messenger does not outshine the message with angels or human beings. It's the message that we need to hear. And many don't respond. They hear, and they, they may be amazed or they may wonder about it, think about it, but then they just go on with their lives. They hear but don't hear. Uh, last week, Pam and I were, were traveling. We went down south to see some of her family in South Carolina, her sister and her brother down near Atlanta. And uh, it was a great trip. I hadn't been there for a couple years, and so it was good to get reconnected. And, and we went to her brother's house named Mike. And Mike's house, they live in a real nice house. They moved in when this house was new. It, it's really kind of a large house. I, I love their house. But, but we're walking in there, it's, and, uh, and we're talking and kind of getting re- We just came off the road, you know, so we're standing around a little bit. And then as Pam and I are talking with uh, Mike and Doris, every once in a while we hear this, chirp. You know, we're talking a little bit, chirp. you know, and you know what it is, right? It's a smoke alarm. You know, so after that happens, I'm like, Mike, are you hearing that? And he's like, no, no, I didn't hear it. I think, I think it's your, he's like, that must be our smoke alarm. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's what it is. He goes, yeah, it probably is because we've never changed the smoke alarm batteries. And they've lived there over a decade. We've never changed the smoke alarm batteries. And I'm like, you've never changed the battery? He goes, well, it's a weird design smoke alarm. They're all the same. You have to take them apart. Take them. You know, no, we've just gave up, never done it. He goes, I don't even hear it. And so I'm going, wow, that's kind of irritating. So then we go up to the second floor. On the second floor, they have several bedrooms all surrounded by this one great room, which is a huge room. This room's so big, it's got three smoke alarms. This is right outside our bedroom. Three smoke alarms are all beep, beep. You know, so I'm saying, hey, Mike, if, if, you, get some, if you get some batteries, I'll, I'll figure out how to change these smoke alarms. So he's like, oh, that'd be great. So he, he gets some batteries. And, I'm, and so we're up there, and we're trying to figure out which one's making the most noise. And we're all standing in the middle of the room, and we're waiting for the next chirp. And all of a sudden, chirp. And here's, here's Pam and I. Oh, we, you know. And here's Mike. What, did you hear something? <laughs> he, hear, he hears nothing. And so we get them all changed. He's, he's like, I don't even hear this anymore. You know, he, it's there. But he doesn't even hear it. We can hear something so often that it completely loses its impact. I think that's what's happened with the message of Christmas. People know the story. Yeah, Jesus was born and, and this and that and the other and presents and this. And next thing you got all kinds of Christmas trees, you know, all this. And it completely loses impact. But Christmas changed everything. Right? 
And, and we become blind to it. We become deaf to the message. And, uh, and that happens to us all the time. When we hear things, but we don't really respond, it doesn't impact, impact us. You know, it happens in marriages, right? Hey, don't act like this doesn't happen in marriages. Okay, husbands, how many, and don't raise your hand, I do not want to incriminate you. But husbands, how many of you have been sitting there and, and your wife's talking to you? And then she says, did you hear a word I said? Did you even hear a word I said? Yeah, do not raise your hand. You know, and then, and then you're like, uh, yeah, I heard you. <laughs> then what did I just say? Ever get that? Uh, something about Christmas? You know, you, you, we hear, but we don't know. You know, yeah, I heard you, but I have no idea what you were saying. This is happening. This is what happens to this message. People hear it, and they lo- it, the impact's gone. The crowd who heard the shepherds they're just wondering. They're kind of amazed. Wow, interesting story. You say all this happened. Shepherds are like, this is crazy, but we just heard this. And they're like, huh, that's interesting. But then they sort of move. They don't follow through. They don't follow through on the greatest news that's ever happened in history up to that point that's happening right in front of them. They don't follow through. They just kind of go back to their normal lives. Like, oh, that was interesting. And then just kind of drift off and do their own thing again. No, we have to be like the shepherds who heard and responded. I mean, they heard, they obeyed, obeyed in the sense that they were given a sign and they hustled over to check out the sign. They wanted to see it. And, and then they, they told others, oh, and they start talking about it because it's impacted their lives. And that's the way it should be for us. We should want to share with other people what God has done. And if it's really impacted us, we will. We'll want to share that news with other people. And we'll want them to really hear it. And... And that's our responsibility as believers, to make sure people understand the real meaning of Christmas, because it's all about the gospel. It's all about what God has done for us. So we want to talk, and I think there's a hunger for this. I think in our culture today, in 2019, there's a hunger to kind of get down to what Christmas is all about, because everybody gets, everybody realizes that it's so easy to get caught up in the commercialism and everything else at Christmas. Even non-believers get this. And so I think there's a hunger to get back or have their children know and realize what the real meaning of Christmas is. So it's our job to tell them. One of the ways that we try to help you do that is by inviting people to grace where we emphasize this story. But I think people really do want the story. They realize Christmas should be more than trees and gifts that there's something more to it that they, they know they should not miss. And, uh, and then the shepherd's initial fear turned to joy. You know, they're terrified, but then they have joy. 
Did I tell you the story about being in football being scared? Have you ever been scared? I remember one time when I was a sophomore, I was just a scrub linebacker. And sometimes we have fear and it's for our own personal safety. And sometimes we get older and we have fear and it's about other people's safety. But anyway, I'm, I'm a teenager. I'm a scrub linebacker. We're going against the number one offense. And we had this stud running back. And so my job at this case was to cover the end. And here this guy comes. And he's got a full steam ahead. And as the play develops, it's just me and him. And I'm scared. I'm like, oh, no. This is... You know, but it's happening pretty fast, but I'm just thinking, okay, I can't run. You know, what do I do? And so I do what I've been told to do, and back in the day, that was shove your forehead right into their numbers. You know, so I hit this guy, and this guy just blows me over. Everything I was worried about happening, it happened. I mean, he just <laughs> blew through me. And as he did that, somehow he tripped over the limp appendages of my body, and then he <laughs> fell over. Well, then it was a tackle. And so everybody came around, well, Kevin, way they go, you got the guy. You know, and, and I'm just like, you know, I, I'm dizzy. I'm like out of it. We, we, back in the day, we said, rung your bell. Today, it's a concussion. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, whoa. And then I don't even remember the next couple plays. But yeah, yay. You know, we have these fears. And the question is, what is your fear? Because if you're not, you're not a believer, your fear should be that there's a righteous, holy God that will judge you for your sin. And you deserve judgment, and the sin is worse than you think, and the judgment is worse than you can imagine. But if you're a believer, what do you fear? Because even as Christians, we don't fear God in that way. We, we know that we're not going to be judged, that Christ has paid for our, our sins. So God sees Christ's righteousness on our behalf, even though we don't deserve it. But we still live with some fear. And, and what is it? Anytime we have any fear in our life, it's because we are not focusing on God and his message. And it's a shame because when we really focus, we really dial in on God in our life in any given day, our fears melt away. But if we don't do that, it's a shame because our fear keeps us from the life that God wants us to have. Our fear, uh, because of fear, we don't use our freedom to really serve God all out. Because of fear, we don't use our wealth to generously give for God. Because of fear, we don't have the confidence to really impact people for God. Because we're afraid of people, what they will think or whatever. Because of fear, we are not all in every day to follow God. Because in Christ, as a believer, we have nothing to fear. The number one command in all of Scripture is fear not. That's fear not for those who follow God with their lives. That's us, many of us here. We don't deserve to live without fear. We're flawed like everyone else. But, but our flaws have been removed. They've been paid for. We've been washed. We've been purified. And our fears then, when we think about that, turn into 
joy. I can't describe to you the joy that came into my life that wasn't there before when I became a believer. I have the God of the universe who loves me, who died for me, who wants relationship with me, who will never leave me, never forsake me, no matter what, no matter where I go, what I do. That's, that's joy. We live with joy. And here we see this last verse here, verse 20. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. I mean, you get the story now. They're leaving Bethlehem, going back to their sheep outside of town, and they're rejoicing. They're praising. They're probably laughing, but they're sure, for sure, they go with great, great joy. It's celebration time. That's how Christmas and every day should be for us. I mean, the story starts out with bone-shaking terror and ends with praise and worship and joy. And the question is, do you really, do you really hear? Do you get it? Do you really hear the message of Christmas that a Savior was born for you. Do, do you really believe that? Do you really understand that? That Jesus came, his birth, he came as a way to fix our separation from God that we all had. He came to fix that for us, even though none of us deserve it. Have you discovered Jesus? Because it's not enough just to hear the story. You have to respond. And at some point, you have to put your faith in him. And the Bible says that that means that, that you can say, hey, Jesus, I believe that you came for me. And I understand that you died for me to pay the price, the punishment, the correct punishment for my sin. And I, I want you to be the judge of my life. And I want to follow and serve you because you've given me everything. That's what it means. And when you do that, when you come to that point in your life, you realize that Christmas celebrates the night that changed everything for you and me. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Father God, Lord, as we come to you, Lord, we thank you. We are struck with an overwhelming sense of gratitude and joy that you would even come up with the idea of Christmas, that you would send your son into the world who would voluntarily give up his life and pay for our sins so that we can be reconnected, so that we could be reconciled back to you, so that we have the potential of doing that and that we get that only through faith, that it's a complete gift, that we can't earn it, work for it. It's all a gift. And that's why we share gifts with others. 
And God, we thank you for the greatest gift in the universe, the gift of your Son. And God, we would ask you, Lord, that if there's any fear in our lives, Lord, that you would help us focus on you. And it drives all those fears into joy. And Father, for those of us here, our friends who don't know you, God, that through your spirit that you would impact their heart, that they would sense, that they would know that they have a need of forgiveness from a righteous judge and that you've provided a way through faith. God, we pray together that you would help them to follow through on that message. But God, we thank you so much. For those of us who believe, we thank you so much for the night that we celebrate at Christmas time that changed everything for us. Amen.